Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second season of our Crushing Comics book club. Of course, the first season wasn't called that. We called it our Epic X-Men reread, and we just wrapped up by reading the end of the Dark Phoenix Saga. And now we are tackling another truly epic read for our second season. And that epic read is Grant Morrison's Batman, including some of the classic material that has influenced the run. For this season of reading, I am joined by my comic friends who are comic fans from around the world for me, Freya and Harry. Since this is our intro to Batman, we're going to be talking about some of our own personal history with the character, as well as our reads of his two debut issues in Detective Comics 27 and Batman number one. And I thought it would be probably a good thing before we do any other talking to even say, why are we reading this? Why have we pivoted from X-Men to Batman? Why Batman? Why Marson? And actually, uh, Harry is the one who brought this to us and beat the drum and got us all on board. So even though we're all going to give our reasons, Harry is kind of the, the captain of this Crushing Comics book club read. And Harry's <laughs> gonna talk to us first about why we are reading Morrison's Batman. Okay, so Batman is obviously one of, if not the most popular superhero or comics character in the world, if Bat or, or Spider-Man or what have you. Now, and, and as, as a result of that, there are so many good Batman runs. I think if you probably guess like which character has the most like quality, quality comics, like just in sheer amount, it's got to be Batman in the top two or three. So even with all that said, Grant Morrison's Batman run is one of the more unique and colorful and off the wall, crazy kind of series that <laughs> is completely true to that character while not being the kind of typical dark brooding serious thing. There, there's a bit of that. Don't get me wrong. That's still Batman. That, that's all. That's all still there. Rita <laughs> just had a bit of a reaction. But like, it's so, it's taking this character that is the most understood and using it to explore all of these insane ideas, this Kirby space stuff, this, this idea of like iconography as like a manifestation and a force battling these eternal forces. It, it, and I'm going to go on long tangents during this. But the point is, it's just, it's the most fun comics. It's completely off the wall. And like, it, I'm just curious what everyone else thinks of it. I'm really curious what Freeha thinks of it. Now let's hear from Freeha because Freeha did not have to join us for this. It really could have just been Harry and Peter talking about Grand Morrison's <laughs> Batman. And so clearly you had a reason that you volunteered to go through this material with us. Why, what is the allure? Why have you come to this season of our book club? Well, um, first reason was obviously to put some womanly touch to the mm. discussion. You know, can be having boys talking about Batman all the time because it's just, you know, a little boring. Uh, but another thing is that, you know, we have been doing Epic X-Men reread. And to me, uh, both of these are kind of like what X-Men is to Marvel, Batman is to DC. It's like without these IPs, the companies will fall apart. They will go bankrupt on an instant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to me, even though they have outlived their reason because you know obviously Stanley and Jack Kirby when they created X-Men it was because they couldn't talk about queer characters and even though they kind of did it poorly but it's there it was like allegory reason and stuff and now we on the Batman side it's about like rich white men's plight after losing their parents what do they do so <laughs> however now it's like well you don't necessarily need to talk about it from that point of view there's a lot of things if we compare Batman or the idea of Batman 
to real world, it kind of falls apart in many different ways. Um, why is he not doing anything for children or like anything for Gotham to build it up? Why is his criminals always getting out? Is it just because so he can beat them up again and then put them back in the jail? Um, not to mention all the children that are under him getting killed uh, or severely maimed. Um, so a lot of that needs to be discussed. And I feel like I want to get some answers. And I think this will provide me that answers. I think you're going to have fun one way or the other. It better. <laughs> I, I better have some fun. I read on the way too many uh, Batman Golden Age comics. <laughs> so I'm due for some fun, guys. <laughs> I'm coming to this from a very different place that I've come to any of our X-Men reading. And I think a big part of that is I'm just, I'm not the expert on this in any capacity whatsoever. I'm not really a DC expert. I'm not really a Batman expert. I'm not really a Morrison expert. I'm really just tagging along for the fun of it. And thinking back to 2010, which is when I came back to comics after my initial reading in the 90s, I read New X-Men, Morrison's New X-Men, because everybody told me to, and that's where I should start, and that's where the modern era begins. And I hated it so much. I was like, what is this garbage? We can revisit my opinions on that in some future X-Men book club. But then I kind of, I read some other X-Men too, and I said, well, I want to read some other Morrison. Because Morrison was kind of untouchable to me in the early 90s. They weren't as big as as they became. And a lot of their really seminal stuff that was already recognized, like Animal Man, like I wasn't going to walk into my local comic book shop and just buy a run of Morrison's Animal Man. That wasn't available. So Morrison was really this myth to me. And Batman was the run that was currently running. And so I started it, but I never got to finish it because I started while Flashpoint and all that stuff was happening. And then DC News 52 started and the run kind of got interrupted, but it kind of came back and it took a little bit of time. And I I just fell off because I was making guides and reading X-Men and living life and having a kid and all all those other (laughs) things I was doing. So, but I, but actually I really, really loved it. I found it unputdownable. I had this great leather armchair back in the States that we didn't bring with us, unfortunately. And I just remember being all curled up in it with my laptop, reading it and being like, about every issue. So I'm really excited to come back to that now, knowing more about Morrison, knowing more, a little bit more about Batman, and also to just get to read the whole thing with literally a decade of experience of being a modern comic book reader. I don't know if it's going to hold up more or or less for me. So I'm just excited about all that. And I'm really excited about to not be the know-it-all. That is exciting. It's not (laughs) a a role I uh, always like to play. Do you, I'm just getting excited by all this conversation about this. This is going to be you, so fun. Do, did anyway. you did you hate it, uh, New X Men, because of Beak and all the ugly mutants? <laughs> well, that book's just not great. I'll say. Hold on, it. hold on. We save it. Save, it. Yeah. save it for the future, folks. If people want to see our our New X Men opinions, they can they can sound off and let us know that we've got to come to that. This is this is not a Marvel show. I know it's going to be hard to suppress all of our Marvel urges that we usually lead into the recording with. Uh, so as we continue this go-round, before we get a little bit into Morrison and some of the early Batman material, I want to do a go-round of what is your what is your like first Bat memory? Because he's so pervasive across so much media that we've all come to Batman in different ways at different points of our lives. And then, uh, and then we'll go back around and talk about the Bat cast a little bit. So Harry, what is your first Batman memory? So, you know, I've been a huge ass nerd since day one, but that said, there are, I weirdly did not have a lot of connection to Batman ever. I did not watch the Tim Burton films. I did not watch the Schumacher films, XYZ. The first connection to Batman, I swear to God, was finding out to like watching the T I'm going to date myself really hard during all this, but (laughs) I really, really liked as everyone my age did the teen Titans show growing up. Um, And it was just a cool cartoon network show, but it took me at least a year 
to realize that the Robin in that show was connected to Batman and that this was a DC property. It went completely over my head. Well, because Fast a lot of movies and that's... stuff like don't have Robin with yeah. Batman. Exactly. I just thought it was a completely separate. So the, honestly, DC and comics in general was my, was Teen Titans was my introduction. That's what got me into comics, actually, probably in the first place. Anyway, um, so but for Batman 2008, it's it, you just can't separate it. You know, it, it was the Dark Knight. That was the biggest movie of all time. You know, at when you're in eighth grade, no one say anything. But like, you know, and it was very exciting. I was going to say kindergarten, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I got my juice box and I saw The Dark Knight. And, um, but it's just, that's when you understand who that character is. I think that that movie is a great way to break down what, like the fundamentals of that character. It's why those movies are so good. They get the basic understanding of that character super well, or at least informed my understanding of it. And that was kind of where understanding the movie understanding batman through the dark knight and then batman begins i kind of went back like you understand everything going forward and then i got into year one and then i got into the long halloween and then uh weirdly the joker uh, brian azrael graphic novel which is kind of like a fun aside um and that was kind of like my my starting point free what about you what is the earliest knowledge you had of batman batman and robin by joel schumacher <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's it that it's a good movie. That, that was the it. first movie I've ever seen, uh, like, you know, of Batman. I mean, I knew of Batman before then. Like, oh, it was like a Batman. But the thing is, like, uh, I think it was showing up in um, HBO back somewhere around, like, 99, 99 or 2000. Uh, mm. And then I watched it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I was 12, I was 12 and 13 back then, 12 or 13 back then. So uh, when I watched it, so the thing is like, so that was my first. And then I went, went and uh, watched the Batman animated. But then 2005, when the Batman Begins came out, a Batman Begins came out, uh, after I watched that, I went and read a bunch of like, you know, short, uh, or like, graphic novel or whatever like one-off stories Dark Knight Rises was one of my first uh, comics that I actually read superhero comics that I actually read Mm -hmm. read um, and then Killing Joke and then a bunch of other Long Halloween a bunch of other ones and so and I'm like oh this is rather cool and then obviously Dark Knight like you know the Dark Knight happened I watched Dark Knight 32 times (laughs) in my lifetime what that's a lot of times (laughs) I've definitely seen it more I know it's a (laughs) yeah like it's, it's 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 I don't know I've seen it way too I mean the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. What is that? But I think, I, just, I, I think that's the 4K disc. I got to rewatch it. I think that's for yeah. any Chris Nolan movies that you're like, the more you watch it, the more it kind of starts to fall apart. But that's okay. Yeah. I was just fascinated yeah. by Heath Ledger's uh, performance and then all of that. And I actually going to talk about it a little bit later as well. But yeah, so that was the one that I was like, whoa. Yeah, so even though I started off saying that, what is the point of Batman? Here I am <laughs> watching revealed. his movies. <laughs> the, the Joel I, Schumacher fan revealed. Hey, but yeah, but I don't actually care. Like, I, But I, actually, I also love Batman Beyond. I love that mm. show. I really mm. love it. So yeah, that's my story. Oh, and Lego Batman. Oh, those are great. Yeah, those are good games. <gasps> well, no, not games, the movie. The movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. 
as usual, I trend a little bit older, not just because I'm a little older than, or a lot older, depending on which of you I'm speaking to, but uh, I always liked older stuff. That was always my shtick, even as a kid. So for me, it's absolutely the Adam West and Bruce Ward 1960s Batman show. Like, I I definitely had Batman Mm -hmm. toys, and I was watching the, like, Super Friends cartoon, but even before the Batman movie came out in 1989, I know that I've seen all those things. All those things that many of you just know as gifts, like, you know, Batman running around with the bomb over his head or them like walking up the yeah. side of the building like I've seen those and I don't know that I loved it it was just kind of background noise it was one of those things that would be on TV the same way that I dream of Genie would be on TV in the middle of the day and I would just see it and it held no kind of specialness for me but I definitely remember that when the movie came out in 1989 that I kind of already knew what it was and because it was a big pop culture thing because Prince did the soundtrack that was that was huge like I had the, I had it on tape I had it on VHS I had it on everything and even still I didn't consider myself a big Batman th- fan it was just one of those things that like as this nerdy kid you had that because it was a nerd thing and there was only so much nerd nerd stuff that was like full force available everywhere. And that predated me reading any yeah. comic books or anything. And when I got into comic books, I, it didn't strike me like, oh, now I should read a Batman comic. Like I, I me reading X-Men felt totally disconnected to that. So I um, I probably was aware of Batman like way before I was aware of like what comic books were or reading any comic books or any other comic book characters. That's cool. So did you know that the Batman and Superman shared the same universe? Because I didn't know for a very I long time. I probably did because, so there were these, su- Super it. Friends was a cartoon, but there was a huge line of toys yeah. in the 80s by Kenner of Super Friends. And they were really cool because they were not like modern toys or even toys from the 70s where everything was the same sculpt and they were just like dressed differently or a different head. Each one of them were like radically different in sculpt. So it was really cool. Like the dark seed was huge. And like there was a Wonder Woman and and there was uh, like, and there were obscure stuff like Firestorm and Red Tornado and things like that. And so I think I just understood them to kind of all be together because they marketed the toys so well. Well, I want to go around on a, on a brief go around <laughs> here to hear who is your favorite Batman cast member. It could be the Bat family. It could be a villain. Uh, and without going too, too deep, just give us a glimpse of why that is, starting with Harry. Who's your favorite non-Batman Batman cast member? It's got, I'm sorry, it's the most basic pick, but it has to be Alfred. Whoa, like, I don't, I don't think the that's the most basic this. pick at all. Yeah. It is. Oh, really? Yeah, no. It is? <laughs> I, mean, the show, I don't know. Maria's like, yeah. I don't know if he's about that. No, I mean, he's, I'm just kidding. He, I'm just giving Harry a hard time. <laughs> it's this thing where, you know, like Batman's this like unstoppable force. It's this mythic ideal. It's this person trying to be something like better. And then, but behind this person is Alfred, the butler, who is just providing the humanity and the warmth to keep this person going. Now, obviously Michael Caine brings a lot to this, but I think the Grant Morrison in this, in this Grant Morrison uh, run that we're about to read is also one of my favorite depictions of that character. It's like this, this lovely mix of, of, of stability and badassery and also very dry British humor. <laughs> and like, it's just like, it's, 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 it's always good when you have like a great Batman story and then Alfred's like to the side, like kind of talking smack. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Just like, okay, I know this is important to you, but you're still the kid who I got to like fix up your costume. And it's like, it, it brings it together. Yeah, I, I feel like that Alfred is the free house, the Batman family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like just there. I like that. <laughs> Is he your favorite as well? No. I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, he is because, you know, he's just me there. So it's kind of hard to kind of pick him as my favorite. Um, I actually been thinking about it, like, who would be my favorite? And to be honest, though, I don't 
have any that stands out, you know? Like, unlike, <laughs> unlike like, you know, other IPs, if you're like, okay, there's this whole team, who's your favorite? I'm like, oh, okay, there's this character, mm-hmm. you know? But when it comes to, like, a bad family and the whole bad thing, it's just, like, I find them to be really annoying most of the time. Like, you know, I, I think Cassandra Kane is probably the most, the one that I would pick that is, like, a least annoying, and then they're just... Because she doesn't talk. Yeah, most of the time. But there's something really odd about children saying honestly that they're going on patrol. I just cannot deal with that. You know, I cannot deal with that. And then, you know, and then Damien is just a little, you know, little... Um, okay whatever and then he i'm like well you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about that in this oh i I know all about that because i've read i mean you've read a lot of damien comics but this is the yeah the origin yeah so yeah so that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons i'm like so anyway i i might pick i don't actually have a pick unfortunately Hmm. wow do you so but but you have to pick one by the end of the series yeah we'll check back in the thing oh yeah okay okay all right (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'm up It'll for be that. some international Batman. Uh, so, you know, I was tempted to just say Batwoman because it's like easy, free, and I have done a book club oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. Batwoman before on the channel. Um, I find that I I enjoy the ways that she's similar to Batman, and but I also really appreciate all the ways that she's not. And I think it makes it. But really thinking about all the Bat characters, I do have to say, especially because people seem to hate him, and I don't understand why. I have grown a little bit of an affinity for Tim Drake. Because oh. Oh. people seem to <laughs> really, really hate him, I've noticed. I like, because it's familiar to me, characters that are very type A perfectionist characters that are still missing something. You know, it's like they, mm-hmm. um, and the something is hard to put your finger on. Like Tim Drake, he's so smart, he's athletic, he's a computer programmer, he does all this stuff, and yet he still makes mistakes, and his life still is not in perfect order, and he still get people still gets the jump on him, and, and I'm really always fascinated by that, where, like, comics have taken this um, classic hero model of super attractive, super smart guys, and then they twist it, and there's, like, always something a little bit dissatisfied about them or a little bit off. It feels different to me than the way that these men, like Bruce Wayne, like, you know, Captain America, like all of these, you know, perfect Silver Age Reed Richards or whatever, um, started out. I really mm-hmm. like when they have flaws. And so I think that Tim Drake works for me, maybe because I know him mostly from really modern stuff, especially Tinian's run in 2016. So you have to think, I'm a really new DC reader. Yeah. I don't know anything that happened with Tim Drake between when he first appeared in the 90s wow. and, like, 2010 i have no knowledge of that so have you read the um have you read the red robin no series i don't know what that is it's a play it's oh, a red wow. robin inn it's, oh. is it a restaurant or is it a hotel i'm never sure <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like tim drake is pretty beloved i don't i didn't know that i feel like I mean, he the thing we'll, we'll get into later but like the middle act of this big old run had some really great like other batman comics in the line including the uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl series and Tim Drake had a really good uh, Red Robin series. Um, so he's he's had good yeah. stuff. It was like a really solid glad, side side reading for us. I'm glad that you didn't you don't have a question like who is your least favorite because that would have been. <laughs> I think that's just going to come for out forty in minutes. <laughs> uh, Gordon Bullock, the 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 hunchback who used to help in the Batcave. Keep it going. All right. 
Before we get to any topics that are specific to Grant Morrison's run, including Black Casebook and some chat about Morrison mm. and Morrison's material itself, I want to talk about the beginning of Batman. Batman begins in the comics. So for this episode, we have all read the Batman story from Detective Comics 27, and we all also read all of Batman number one, which has four pretty big stories in it, including the debut appearances of Joker and the Cat, later known to us as Catwoman. Mm -hmm. So Detective Comics 27, pretty short, and this should be a pretty quick one to go around. Harry, what did you think of it? Have you read it before? And what was your reaction to this first ever Batman story? Uh, you know, I've read it in the past, and but it's been kind of more just like uh, flipping through and what have you, because it is such like a, a template or just very like uh, just the, the most basic elements of the story that we all know very well now, because it was written, you know, almost not almost 100 years ago, but a lot of decades ago. And, uh, you know, I just it, the biggest thing that always strikes me is because it's such a big deal now is that in this book, Batman is totally fine letting someone die. He's like <laughs> kind of like having a good, yeah, he's having a good time. There's a moment where like the one character just falls in the acid and he's just like, good, it works out great. Um, the other thing was, and this is such a, uh, it's just a random thing is that when uh, one character, because um, the three businessmen are like, uh, this is a big plot with the three businessmen and what have you. And, um, one of them uh, gets trapped and it's like using a a machine to experiment by killing guinea pigs. And I thought that was very specific and crazy. And I was just like, wow, you're just spending all your time killing guinea pigs. Unless he meant like a broader term for that. But I choose to think it was the actual no, guinea pigs. Uh, but no, it's just fun. I love seeing that old costume. I love seeing just like the, it just, it's, it's not, it's not something that like, I like, I love the story, but I appreciate seeing all of these elements that, you know, are going to be kind of built on and tweaked on and re and remixed and what have you for just years and years and years to come. So it, it was, you know, I liked it. Freya, what did you think about Detective Comics 27? Um, I mean, it was something that Harry mentioned that he just pushed someone in the vat. It's like, ha, 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 ha. And I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, right. But uh, I was thinking about, actually, while I was thinking it, about it, I was also thinking about uh, um, the, oh my God, I'm forgetting it. The two worlds um, or um, was it, was a we talked about it before. Earth 2? Earth, no, not Earth 2. It's like, uh, uh Anyway, oh, wrong earth from but a boy. Wrong earth, yeah, by wrong, uh, uh, wrong earth. So uh, I was thinking about that comics as well because in that is like a juxtaposition of two, uh, like two um, Batman in a way, uh, in like set, mm -hmm. told in a different ages, and they swap their world and how it just was so weird. Um, so I was kind of thinking about that because the very first thing is like Commissioner Gordon. He's not even a commissioner at that time. Uh, oh yeah, Commissioner Gordon just sitting there with, in a in a like you know having smoke with a billionaire or a millionaire at that time, and then just having yeah. a good time. And then he picks up the phone, and then he wants goes on to it. And I was like, oh, what a simple life was at that time. That you know, <laughs> police, just hanging out, police commissioner just hanging out with the socialites, like yeah, you know, like. The, like you're saying, you know, I was just saying that that kind of made me laugh, and then also like it's just a, I think it this is like Batman as a detective and Batman as a like you know it it was a different kind of hero I would think at, I don't know maybe from that point of view that it's like it's not a punch him thing it's like he's trying to solve a mystery and mm. I think from that point I just I kind of appreciated that and it was also like very much of a like 
I've seen this before and there's there was a lot something a lot familiar about it but this is all where it started yeah for me it was really similar the two things that stuck out are the things I think you just pointed out one is just the utter comedy of this layabout millionaire that is Bruce Wayne he just hangs out at the police station Shanging. why just because he does uh, and, and I think that, that, you know, it's hard to define Bruce Wayne because we have that natural difficulty with suspending our disbelief of like, how do they not know he's Batman or like, where do they think he is all the time? Or how do they not get that he's so like strong and physically he has so much physical prowess, but there's none of that baggage here. And so it's kind of just fun to laugh at how baldly uh, he he's really just using his friendship with Commissioner Gordon to fuel the Batman stuff. <laughs> but the other thing that really stuck out to me is Freya said is it's a detective book. And the whole point, I mm-hmm. think, that really gets driven home for me that's gotten ruined, I think, over the years is Batman's practical. He, he doesn't need some like multi-layer scheme to do something. He's like, there's gas, let's plug the hole. You know, and I think that over time, both in the Golden and Silver Age detective comics and in the modern day, this has been turned into this infallible Batman. This Batman who's planned everything ahead. He's got a box for every Justice League member. That doesn't really appeal to me at all. What appeals to me is Batman in the moment being like, oh, I can plug this hole so no more gas comes out. I can break this bell jar. Um, I, Like, it's not that he's thought of everything. It's that he can think of something and that to me in this moment I was like oh like I see how it started and actually I might like this better than what it's turned into over well, the years which is Batman the, being the, this person who's thought of every eventuality well the thing is and we're going to get to it later but you know the Grant Morrison series really posits Bruce Wayne Batman as that ultimate planner but rather than it feeling like a lazy shorthand for getting out of plots or kind of just like easy resolution it's like what does the ultimate planner look like mm. when operating on this much larger Grant Morrison scale yeah. and becomes a much bigger conflict. Because I know what you mean. Sometimes there's just like, oh, Batman figured it out. I guess we'll go home. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's a little dissatisfying. But like that that idea is, you know, it's Grant Morrison taking a human, but like what does the ultimate human look mm. like kind of thing? So we'll see. We also read Batman number one, which I, I mean, I don't want to steal any thunder, but I was shocked multiple times over in multiple ways. So this is a whole Batman mm-hmm. issue, and it's long. These Golden Age issues are long, and it has four stories in it. The first Joker story, mm-hmm. a Hugo Strange story, the first Catman Moon story, and then a redux slash kind of epilogue to the Joker story. So mm-hmm. Harry, what did you think about Batman 1? What was like the most shocking or the most fun for you? So what I really liked is just the... Um... The first page is just uh, the legend of Batman and who he came to be. And you kind of get into his origin. And it's already, you know, even like page two, it's already getting into, you know, first of all, Batman, you know, his parents die. And, you know, he makes the, the you know, he swears by the spirit of his parents to avenge their deaths by spending the rest of his life warring on criminals. But then it says not only does he like work to become the peak human male, like the literal like bodybuilder figure and like those like old like uh, ads for like uh, beach bodies and what have you. <laughs> but he also like becomes like the ultimate scientist which i don't think you see a lot in the batman books but it kind of leads into the grant morrison thing later of just this character who is interested in various kind of chemicals and toxins and working up immunities to them and figuring out how to get around them it's like there's this interesting shading that's even kind of there um beyond that i just love the phrasing of like him and robin hanging out and like they know the joker's around and robin's just like so are we gonna like go get this guy thinks that we're gonna go take a shot at him like let's just go mess up Batman, which is just kind of fun. And it's like cool to see the beginning of the Joker. And then finally, um, you know, you have the Catwoman story and it's fun seeing 
I know I'm getting ahead here, but here's the thing. And we're going to get to in the book. Batman is way more fun when he's horny. It's like a way funnier aspect of this super stoic character. And he was plenty horny, even from the get go here. So I enjoy seeing this, like this coy repressed man kind of like show some stuff there. His first reaction to his later to be his bride is to wash the old woman thing off her face. And it's like, quiet or Papa Specs. (laughs) <laughs> this is how love, love starts. True love begins this way. This is. I mean, he's a horny fool, and that's going to be part of the character for me. So. <laughs> for yeah, I, as I mean, I think I've maybe read that Catwoman story before in one of these anniversary books. But as I was reading it, mm-hmm. I was just thinking, I'm so excited to hear what Faria thinks. About <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. I was shocked though because I think I've seen that panel before and I genuinely thought it was someone made that up. Me too. Like, you know, I was sure that it couldn't possibly mm-hmm. say Papa Spank on the on Yeah, the Papa Spank. No, it says quiet or Papa Spank. And then there is a SM character, like like characteristics to these character characters because the way they dress up. And then she actually mm-hmm. has a whip with her so all the time. So it just like uh, yeah, this is where it all started, you guys. And then there's a later episode, uh, later uh, book in the in the case book that where he also threatens to spank someone. So it's like, oh, so this is yeah. where he is, you know, at any given point. <laughs> I absolutely love that story though because it's like, okay, that's a very Catwoman story. And then the fact it that is. the very first mm-hmm. one is a such a quintessential Catwoman story, I'm like. Well, what do you know? You know, and then you know, and then he, she's like, he just lets her get away, and then stops Robin from like, you know, getting yeah. trying to get to her. It's like, don't worry. <laughs> I'm like, like, you know, it's but kinda... <laughs> but I just yeah. wanted to say though, it's like, um, how like the story that we have seen again and again, and it's kind of part of our uh, culture, the Batman origin of fa- fathers, his parents dying, and he's becoming it. Is told in two mm. pages. Is told in two pages. Yeah, like that's it's very, very succinct. Yeah, that to me just kind of blew my mind. And then also the Joker stories are, like, are actually kind of like Dark Knight Rises. Like, sorry, not Dark Knight Rises, but the Dark Knight, the movie, mm-hmm. because where it's like he's constantly giving deadlines, and then it's like I'm gonna get to get to like officials. Like that's the whole point of it, and it's scary. It's actually scary for something that mm-hmm. came out in forties. It was, I was scared. I was like, whoa, I don't, I, 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 so I was, I was very excited about that because this is actually a very good golden age comics that I was not expecting it to be at all. Yeah, I think there's nothing goofy about it. My biggest takeaway is like, read this comic. Like it's, it's really, really good. Uh, You know, I, we all have our hesitance with getting into the golden age and having just read a lot of golden age for this episode. I understand why, Uh, but I also have golden (laughs) age stuff that I love. Like I love golden age wonder woman. And I think that this comic, every story just works in its own way. That first Joker story, it is a masterpiece. It is tense. It's scary. Also, I really Mm -hmm. love that the Joker is, um, he's referred to as melancholy. He's very dour. He's not, He's not yeah. as entertained by his own works. He's just driven to to be an agent of chaos. And again, this I, is something that has evolved over the years and has been pushed in a lot of different directions. But he's very dour and he's really, really scary. He it's, It feels so, like he's this inevitable force that's going to always get to you. And even Batman hasn't been able to like surmise all of the ways that Joker can set up a joke. 
it's like it, it kind of dips into this almost like the horror aspect. Yeah. This is a ghoul. This is like a grinning monster. And like it's funny because this is one of the jokers I'm pretty dang sure was used in uh Jeff John's three go three jokers black label book that recently came out and uh, i'll be honest he's still scarier in this one uh that's a whole other thing but yeah it's just cool seeing this like this design where he is just like it's not like the goofy comedy thing but it's not like this like edgelord thing it's just like this haunted almost like spooky figure of the night you know yeah and he really connects to a lot of archetypal comic book villains i mean you see here i think better than you do in the modern age almost how he connects to somebody like loki right he's he's not driven mm-hmm. just by the comedy of it he's he's a god of chaos he, he wants to create constant unrest constant uncertainty uh and it doesn't really matter in the end to him if he goes to prison or not which is a lot like Dark Knight. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think I don't realize how well they did him in the movie based on this being his first appearance. Yeah, and I think like it came, all of it came from this because in Dark Knight, he's also there is also like the mobs are like, oh, he's trying to get into our business. Then there's like him mm-hmm. uh, trying to pick up random uh, officials and then saying that I'm gonna kill them at this time, and then they get killed. Like it just like the same thing, and you know, it just like he's also after some jewels which. We know now he doesn't care about this. No, things. he doesn't care. He'll set them you know, out. so it was yeah. just a it, ju- it was just a <laughs> MacGuffin for him. And then, so yeah, I mean, the f- fact that this is like a first appearance of Joker and the first appearance of I just wanted to say though, I mean, I was blown away by the first page where it's the legend of Batman and how they drew Batman. So yeah, I don't. Well, that's Bill Finger, right? Who did it? Because I, I know there was so. like a. There was like a lot of things because even though it said that by Bob yeah. Kane everywhere, there is no mention of Bill Bob, Bill Finger in a lot of these things. That's, so, that's how it went. Yeah. So, but the thing is, like, it just so well done. I mean, I was, I was like, it just, it's all black. It's not. There's not like you know a little bit of shading. But the thing is, like, it's like this icon that just appeared back in the pages and it's still persevering after like eighty something years. It's just. I was taken away, taken a blown away by that. It was it's such a simple image, but yeah. spoke so much. And the um just the uh you know, going back to, again to that uh just the the one panel of like him like sitting in his room praying by candlelight, swearing to fight criminals. There's something so like pulpy and gothic and just it's much more like moody than the typical like heroic thing that you see with this character. Uh, and then immediately it's followed by like more pulpy like cartoon stuff which is totally cool but like it is like there there are there are themes that kind of get lost sometimes or like a just a an eeriness that we kind of get away when it becomes a bigger more heroic character as it gets more popular with variations and exceptions of course yeah and i think the one thing we haven't mentioned because it's not joker or catwoman is that second story which is a hugo strange story hugo strange who i looked it up he Mm. actually had debuted prior to batman in detective comics but then they refitted him as a batman villain and uh because it's it's kind of this like horrific bad science story which i think partially the comic code and things like that cut off from being as much the focus of batman as perhaps it once was but this is also very much in the dna of modern batman you know not only in the joker turning people into jokers but just like there's constant monsters in gotham you know and i think that this has the dna of that as well and it has batman killing people in the story too which people on twitter (laughs) as i was reading it pointed out to me like yeah early in the golden age he didn't have that code like that came later um 
so I just, I was really, I don't think that was the best story in the book by any stretch of the imagination. But again, I think there are interesting <laughs> bits of DNA. And you have to think we're coming to this. We are not big Golden Age, Silver Age readers. So like Free is like, oh, and I are both like, oh, the DNA of Batman 1 is in Batman Dark Knight, Dark Knight movie. Uh, I'm sure there's a hundred other Joker stories really similar to that yes. that we're not going to get a chance to read. But that's why we wanted to go back and read the early stuff so we could kind of root ourselves on like, where did Batman start? Because... Grant Morrison absolutely comes to Batman from that perspective. So now I think we can start to transition into talking about Grant Morrison a little bit. And to do that, I want to introduce that Grant Morrison is identified currently as non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. And this is pretty new news to the world at large as of 2021. It originated from an interview in October 2020 with Mondo2000.com. And in response to a comment about the magic and power of words, Marson said this, and I'm going to read a pretty long Marson quote here, although I will skip a couple of words in it and I'll make that clear. He says, I've been non-binary, cross-dressing, genderqueer since I was 10 years old, but the available terms for what I was doing and how I felt were few and far between. We had, and he uses two outdated words for non-binary and trans people, both of which sounded like DSM classifications rather than lifestyle choices. I didn't want to be labeled as a medical aberration because that's not how it felt, nor was it something cut and dried and done. I didn't want to transition or embody my female side exclusively, so I had no idea where I fit in. Terms like genderqueer and non-binary only came into vogue in the mid-90s. So kids like me had very limited ways of describing our attraction to drag and sexual ambiguity. Nowadays, there's this whole new vocabulary allowing kids to figure out exactly where they sit on the color wheel of gender and sexuality. So I think it's okay to lose a few contentious words when you're creating new ones that offer a more finely grained approach to experience. And after that article, uh, CBR.com followed up with an article about that article, as they do. But they did reach out to Marson, and Marson confirmed that he wanted to use they, them pronouns, even though the original article used he, him pronouns. You might hear us make a few errors in referring to Marson's pronouns over the course of the season. In each case, we're just going to quickly correct ourselves and move forward. When you misgender someone, the focus shouldn't be on you and how hard it is for you to remember or get their pronouns right. The best way to resolve your errors and ours is to just correct yourself to form a good habit of using correct pronouns and to just move on with respect. And if you've, of course, hurt or offended anybody, you should take that apology to them specifically. But in the scope of the show, we're just going to correct ourselves and we're going to be better all the time. So I want to talk about our experience with Marson. We've all read some of their comic books before. We've loved some. We've hated others. What Morrison knowledge are we bringing to our read of their Batman, starting with Harry? All right, so yeah, I I am a massive fan of Grant Morrison. Uh, I read their books. Uh, they, so my first issues of single issue comics from a comic shop were Secret Invasion and Final Crisis. Uh, I did not understand one of them very well at all. It was Final Crisis because <laughs> Grant Morrison takes it was madness. He takes a lot of stuff from the Golden Age, the Silver Age, all kinds of obscure characters, brings them together, throws them in a pot, shakes them up. And good luck figuring it out. That's kind of why I like Final Crisis. We will get to that later. And oh, uh, but basically, <laughs> but, but the reason the reason why I like this art this writer so much is I've, I've read a lot of his work. Um, yeah. Weirdly, the one I haven't is Animal Man. Uh, their work is Animal Man is um, because you know they're a writer that completely just embraces the goofiness and the surreality of comic books and the 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 optimism of that kind of style and. That was so fun to me getting into this because, you know, like I said, you know, Dark Knight was one of the first 
movies or comic movies are really watched and embraced, but that is a very specific, serious, stark, kind of brutal portrayal. And, you know, Grant Morrison's books, they're also, there's a few like that, but they're also embracing just the insanity and the joy of these superhero worlds. So that's what always appealed to me. It was just like the fun of them all and the, 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 the lack of embarrassment about being silly and what have you. And when you were talking about the black case book, there's so much silly stuff in these books that he just takes wholesale <laughs> to his run, but, but it's great. And I actually read, so I've read, you know, so anyway, so long story short, um, you know, Batman and final crisis were the first books of his. I read, I then there. Uh, there there's, I read, then I bounced to all-star Superman. I actually, uh, we three, uh, I did read, uh, uh new x-men which is fine um i went hard and i went to read uh their book the invisibles which is their like vertigo magnum opus which is utter just bonkers insanity i I don't i still don't understand it i think i went to another dimension while reading it uh but then i also read their uh, they actually wrote a novel uh super gods uh, which is a really really great book about the history of comics which i really enjoyed and just um you know i i kind of like Around the New 52 Batman Inc. is when I kind of fell off their work a little bit because New 52 caused me to fall off a lot of DC books eventually. But like, you know, I always have like a soft spot in my heart for like this book, this run in particular is when I was discovering like what comics could be beyond trying to ape movies or the Mark Millar style. You know, it, there there's so much more potential and and creativity and optimism. And that is still like so thrilling to me when I think about it now. Uh, so I, I am a big fan, even, even I don't love uh, their new stuff that much, but, um, you know, I, I always have the hope that I'll get that feeling again. What about you, Fru? What is your experience with Morrison's work? Um, so I have read Animal Man, New X-Men. New X-Men was one of the earliest Marvel comics I read. And um, it was a horrible by this ugly mutant. Anyway, but then I save it for season, season three. Keep it, keep it yeah, in the wraps. I'll, I'll, I'll save it. Uh, then uh, I read Animal Man, Doom Patrol, uh, We Three, Flex Mantello, um, and then I think I read like a couple other books that I can't uh, I can't remember. I just love the fact that when they write, they they're self aware about their weirdness. Like it's not like something that you know a lot of people don't necessarily like. You know, are self aware about their weirdness. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but they are. And the thing is, like I absolutely loved the last issue of Animal Man that they read that they did, where it's about them meeting their cre- their creation and then he like you know they were saying that to buddy that you know i created you this way because that's what i wanted to i wanted to give a part of myself to you um and because of that you're vegetarian the next writer will pick you up and then you will be a carnivore and sure enough he became <laughs> same way he picks up robin a uh, damien and he damien decides that he you know, he's going to be vegetarian. So it's like, it's just this idea that he introduces and there's like a, a bit like they introduces and there is like a, a self-awareness about it that I, I adore. And I, that's why I don't feel like they're trying to like, you know, do a gotcha or they're trying to be like, you know, saying that, oh, I'm smarter than you. It's just like, this is what they think go, like, you know, comics should be. This is what the story that they want to tell and they're just telling it. Um, I mean, I, that's one of the reasons, like, I I wasn't, 
like, you know, I w- always wanted to read this Grant Morrison series, like a Batman series, because I'm like, I w- this is considered to be one of their best work, and I want to get to that someday. Invinci- Invisibles? Nah. <laughs> that one's a lot. It's just straight up a lot. I yeah. don't have a nah. thing about it. I'm, I'm, Actually, I'm, in the first omnibuses I have, it's over here. I lost the dust jacket. Anyway. Yeah. It's gigantic. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's big, big, big <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> For me, so I've already detailed how when I first came back to comics, literally the first thing I read was New X-Men. Probably a mistake. And the reason I realize it's a mistake <laughs> now is because Morrison is the kind of creator who wants to make a lot of reference. And I really came to understand it after reading Super Gods, which is a fascinating, it's part research, part autobiographical, really, really fascinating, even if you're not a big Morrison fan. And I came back to some other Morrison comics, like, especially because then I started liking this Batman. I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about them. And then I really was hating everything else. I mean, I really, really (laughs) hate Grant Morrison comic books. And, uh, and so I, you know, I tried a lot of them and I often gave up after a couple of issues. I read Animal Man. I hated it. Um, I, I also just read. How far you gotten into? I also. How far you gotten into? Animal Man, I read the whole thing. Every single issue. Despised it. Uh, And so then I read his Green Lantern that he just did. I think it was awful. I think it's... And and I I not only read it, but I like went through panel by panel and took notes and dissected it. And I really think it was truly terrible. But here's, here's what I took away from that that makes me excited to come back to this read. I think Morrison, if they had been making things for TV this whole time, we would be receiving them differently. Marzen likes to play with what assumptions you bring and the interpretations you bring. But when we see something on television, something in motion, there's no gutter in between the panels, right? Like we, there's no space. Yeah. And so we never have to interpret in the space. We watch something continuously and then it's over. And then the gutter space is the, the installment between that and the next episode. And in writing, in prose, again, there's not space. I mean, you could say there's space between paragraphs, but there's not the kind of space there is in comics where you have to add your interpretation in. And I have come to understand now about Marson that he's really looking for you as the reader to like make an active decision in every one of those spaces in between the panels. And I don't always like to read comics like that. I like to read a comic that gives me something complete. And then afterwards, I like to go back and dissect it. I don't like to give as much as myself to a comic as I'm reading it. And so I've, as I dissected Green Lantern, even though I didn't like Green Lantern, I think I came to appreciate Morrison a lot more because I finally came to this realization of like, hmm, the reason I don't like his their writing is I'm not willing to give them as much as me as they're asking from everyone else. And so now I'm really excited to, with in good faith and, and fully without reservation, totally give myself to their writing in Batman and really explore the space in between and see if maybe it works better for me than all the Mars and stuff I've read that I've hated. That's a good read. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely a way of putting, you know, like now, if, if he's now, got a thing and if you like it, you really like but it. But now, now I'm scared how much of me they took. <laughs> We're gonna lose her. We're gonna lose her. How much yeah, did you I'm... leave behind an animal man, you know? Yes! I still have the omnibus. Now I can never sell it because part of me but is that's... in it. But that's the magic. That's the fun... He is an actual life magician. Yeah. In that I mean, yeah. he, they really practice the actual practice of magic. And I really have come, especially after reading Super Gods, have come to read all of their work as a magic trick that captures a mm-hmm. little part of your soul. Like that's <gasps> why it's so unsettling. Nameless is like a black magic version of that. <laughs> Nameless is one of those. This, that's an amazing book. That's disorienting and you feel weird reading it. Hey, writers, <laughs> stop taking parts of me. Like, not allowed. <laughs> stop it. 
Like, ah, and then didn't even say yeah. that I'm taking parts of you. How dare you? Like, he, how they're dare also they? like a very, they're just like a super influential writer in that a lot of the stuff they've introduced has gotten picked up hard. I mean, you know, obviously the, the big ones is basically everything Jonathan Hickman has ever done. You can probably attribute to Morrison oh, one way or the other, which is good, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> between Quentin Choir and the, uh, the, the Smashers and uh, Phantom X. Avengers. Phantom X, like he's weirdly had a lot of uh, a lot of um, influence, like as the years have gone on, even though if his books at the time seemed esoteric or a little, uh, you know, non-functional or however you want to <laughs> define that. <laughs> right. What What is functional in a comic book? That's I know. What are they? Um, one thing I do want to say, though, is that um, All-Star Superman is kind of interesting read as well by them. Like if you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate just that one too. Because it took a lot out of you, I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you were left with empty Peter vessel. Um, <laughs> but, but, no, I'm just talking about. I'm talking about some of the ideas about what it is to be Superman is introduced in it. That is like a lot of other writers have not necessarily talked about, or you know, it, the, it was out there, but he, they consolidated it. Especially like the fact that why no one recognizes him with glasses. They gave like mm-hmm. a very distinct inter- like in you know, a reason, and you were like, "Oh, I buy that." So I do recommend yeah. people to pick that up as well. Now we're going to, as our final part of this opening discussion, talk a little bit about the Black Casebook. Oh. It is its own <laughs> strange vortex of of Batman and Batman history that works both outside of the comic book and weirdly inside of the comic book too because it's a, it's a little bit diegetic like it does kind of exist in the comic as a thing in the same way that we can hold it as a document in our hands. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to lay hands on at this point and it is not reproduced fully in digital. You can't just go buy it digitally. And what it was, was 12 golden age and silver age stories of Batman that Morrison as an author was saying, I'm going to key into these. But then within the Batman universe, it's also this collection of somewhat strange and unexplained moments in Batman's history that ultimately are a key to a lot of the things that happen in Marson's run. Uh, I'll add two small facts to that, and then we'll go around. We're going to talk about our favorite one each, and then we're going to talk about what we thought was just the strangest, oddest, weirdest one mm-hmm. each. The, the two things that I'll add to this, um, one is the reminder that even though a lot of us who are Marvel fans think of the Silver Age as starting in 1961, because that's when the Fantastic Four debuted, for DC, the Silver Age was already underway starting with 1956, because that most people draw the line for Silver Age in DC as the debut of Wally West as Flash, and, or no, it's not Wally West, Barry, Barry Allen as Flash, and also um, the renewed origin of Green Lantern. So that and that was in nineteen started in nineteen fifty six. The other thing you have to take into account when you're reading fifties Golden Age stories is the seduction of the innocent by Frederick Wortham. Now I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of like research and academic work a long, long time ago. If you can call it academics, it was pre college for me. <laughs> but I did lay hands on the original <laughs> book and I got to read a lot of it. And you have to think that a lot of the um, discussion in that book is about the immorality that's being suggested about by comics all of this murder all of these people acting in 
aberration, you know, as aberrations, all these people in their tights, the strange relationships between heroes and their sidekicks. And at that came out in 1954. And you can absolutely start to see the change in stories starting after that, and especially as the comic code begins to exist. So there's definitely a marked shift in this Black Casebook stuff. Its earliest story in the casebook is from 1951. The latest story in the casebook is from 1964. So they absolutely span those two landmarks. But then I'm not going to go first. I want to hear your favorite story of these 12 casebook stories and why, starting with Harry. All right, yeah, I just want to preface real quick and say that, like, you know, what I, I really loved reading these because somehow <laughs> I, I've read these three omnibuses, like, pro, I've read this, I've read the Grant Morrison run at least like six times, seven times. Whoa. Like, I just, it's one I of don't my think favorites. I knew that. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Even Peter hasn't read that books. much X Men. Like, I, know. I mean, it's <laughs> Maybe. But I've never read these black casebook books, uh, which are, you know, I did not realize how much stuff just Grant Morrison is taking like directly from these books into his new series, either by like direct like continuity or like thematic like, uh, you know, translation. But like the other thing I was really into by reading all of these, which felt like a fever dream last night, <laughs> but it's it's really like there's so much of these so much of these books are about like damaging Batman's psyche about just assaulting him mentally and seeing what happens to this poor man, which is a big part of the Grant Morrison book that we'll get to. Anyway, so my favorite of these books was uh, the, sorry, let me pull it up real quick. It was the uh, Batman 113, the Superman of Planet X, uh, <laughs> February 1958. So I'm gonna be honest. First of all, I'm like being a whole ass nerd where basically this is the planet of Zur and R, which is a huge part of the first act of Batman's. Uh, that phrase is a huge part of Grant Morrison's run. So I'm geeking out about that. But also it's just a really fun book where Batman goes to a different planet and gets like Superman-esque powers by a difference in the atmosphere. And he just runs around beating people up and wrecking stuff and just having a great time. And there's this part where he's just like, I wish Superman could see me right now. He's just like swinging like giant metal beams and stuff and it was kind of it was kind of delightful it was really nice just seeing batman cut loose and just wreck stuff um but also just like it was a huge tie into the uh the, the morrison books that i love so much um the weirdest and i know this is not we're like not doing song. the weirdest yet are we we are not not yet you don't want to steal all of our thunder what if what if yeah. your best and weirdest is also all of our best and weirdest yeah exactly fair enough freeha you're up <laughs> Um, no, I want to want to uh, start by saying that uh, the writer for that book, where it's like seduction of innocence, um, if mm -hmm. it's a he, right? It's it's, yes. a, it's a man who wrote that. Yeah, if uh, he yeah. yeah, if he read recent X Men comics, <laughs> you would be running. <laughs> it <laughs> all know. comes back now. Everything. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, yeah, it's like extreme. I was right. It's like you know, it's like extreme horniness from top to bottom. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna say, wanted to say. That. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was insanity to read this twelve issues, uh, like you know, back to back, uh, like the way I did, um, and especially like you know, not necessarily not knowing where one ends and where one begins, and sometimes it just like it just keeps going on and on, and I'm like, I don't know where it ends. <laughs> so, <laughs> who am I? <laughs> who am I? Um, so, base, I'm the one that 
Harry picked was actually my second favorite, like was my runner up because I was like, well, I wish DC things were in continuity. Then someone could at least remind him every time he goes against Superman. Like, hey, remember that time you became Superman? How did it feel? <laughs> like, you know, you should know this by now. Uh, but the one that I really liked was the first Batman, which is the, which number? Yes. Number oh, 235. Man. That was oh, a mind. Like, I, I, Uh. (laughs) I loved it because I was like oh my god it's just like it's it's like you know he finds out about his father being like the first Batman and I I absolutely love Flashpoint like you know the like the Flashpoint storyline that where it's like Thomas Wayne the alternate universe Thomas Wayne the Batman and all of that so I was kind of like oh it probably started right here and then it's uh, like there's, uh, it's like such an yeah. interesting story and the fact that it's just like you know you were gonna be like oh yeah he's just gonna go up to that person who's like yeah tell like you know tell us you did it and it's like no you know he had the whole amnesia thing and everything there was like a layers and layers of stories and it just never ended and i was like wow i love this i am so excited for you to read uh the first <laughs> act of this series dear lord i am i i was very excited i really like this this issue too i'm gonna say that <laughs> yeah but i also like the design of batman it just like you know he kind of did it for the children's comics and stuff like that and i think the the whole um like i don't know it just like uh, uh it just it's really really well done and i think like it's oh, also man. the one that has like the most bruce wayne than all the other stories like you know, we I didn't see a lot of Bruce Wayne in the other story, but this one had. But yeah, so I'm, this is my favorite. I'm getting I'm getting too excited. I gotta go take a walk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, also I think I, I'll be honest. That was my number one, but I have a backup plan. I think the interesting oh. thing there too is that like it means that somebody else really was responsible for Joe Chill killing his parents, and he like unravels this whole thing, and it's like twelve pages. Like I'm reading, like no way. There's no, and this is from <laughs> 1956. Like it's so many there. of these other detective comic stories from this era, they're so basic, and and you know they really focus on him as a detective. The whole shtick of these golden age stories in detective comics is like it's a solid story, and then in the final panel, the detective says, "The reason I was able to figure that out is because they." <laughs> ultraviolet dust on their shoes you know like that's how all of the stories work but this one was so beyond that like the scope of it was so much bigger it was it was about batman i'm like wow in a world that was really before continuity because there was no i mean they would reuse characters clearly people would Mm -hmm. recur um there's sometimes they would refer to catwoman's kind of progress a little bit but there was no expectation that you would read the prior month and the month before that and the year before that these were just one-offs and the amount of like weight that that story had just really totally blew my mind I, uh, but uh rules. the other one the other one i would the other it's, one i would not it read so well it read so well as if it's a modern comics <laughs> <laughs> which is like a backhanded compliment right like we're trying to get these golden age comics to, like give us a feeling that a comic 70 years later is giving us but it did it felt very very modern you know and and i think mm-hmm. that at the time people probably appreciated that in a different way than we do now my backup favorite though and I can't really fully under, understand why, but it was, was uh, Batman 134, the rainbow creature. I think, <laughs> I think because it's so silly and it's sci-fi, but it's broken out of, it's clearly the Silver Age at this point. The panel layouts mm-hmm. are different. The way they're talking is different. The, the hijinks they get into is different. The way they talk about the crazy science is different. And it's funny because it, it still has like a detective element to it where they're figuring out what the creature does 
thing at a time. But each, it's, I mean, it's, it's gay Godzilla. It's Pride Month Godzilla <laughs> that they're fighting, which to, on its own just is a, is a funny image. But I really funny. just liked it because it was one of the times that Batman was silly, but the silliness still felt like it was a Batman story. Where some of the ones in here that didn't work for me is where like the silliness overtakes the Batman part and stops feeling like Batman and just feels like a goofy story you could tell with anybody. But the rainbow creature felt like this perfect marriage of like Batman and moving into the Silver Age and 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 kind of um, post-war, you know, creature feature and also just silliness. The did you uh, I I love laughed at one line where it's like you know how they can turn into leaf they just become two dimensional oh become, my god dimensional we become two dimensional than any of the previous golden age stuff like it was full right. on silver age goofiness. no but the thing is like you know it's like oh we become two dimensional which is for a character to say that is a good thing right like, it's like a two, you become one dimensional to two but the thing is there's two other people who became that and they're like oh don't worry it will wear off. <laughs> and they're like, well, I know. Yeah. And then I, I could not help but think about Green Lantern Rings came from this probably because it's the same emotions and then the mm-hmm. ideas and everything. I'm like, ah, you stole it. I'm just kidding. I bet oh. Jeff Johns. I, I'll say Jeff Johns did. No, no don't lie. Well, <laughs> yeah. Let's try not to. All yeah, right. Okay. So weirdest, Harry. Weirdest, the one that just struck you as okay. what the F is happening in this comic book. Okay. I know it's not like the most visually weird, but I really got to give it to Batman 112, which is I am I really Batman, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is yeah. the craziest yeah. thing I've yeah. ever read, which the plot is Batman wakes up in costume in the asylum and it's just like what's going on and they're like you're a fake batman the real batman and robin are right over here and he basically has this crazy adventure where he's trying to prove that he's real he sleeps in the street he's just like losing his mind and it's revealed at the end that he got hit with a depression gas by a villain (laughs) that will cause him to lose himself so robin and alfred's master plan is to dress up as Batman and Robin and give him a complete mental breakdown for his own goodwill and they're just gonna blow his friggin mind and they're just like yeah we just kind of messed with you because we thought it'd be good for you and he's like thanks guys and that's how the issue ends it's just Um, so crazy like these books are about destroying this man's mind and this one more than most it's just like we wanted to break you as a person There was like a subtle undercurrent there too, which is that Mm -hmm. the Ray was supposed to make anybody kill themselves or just die of of misery and depression within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And so they needed to give him an overwhelming reason to live. And the only thing Robin could think of was (laughs) what, what if he was so angry that he might not be Batman like that? That's what I got from it. Like his will to live purely is being Batman and figuring out stuff. And so Robin was like, what is something that appeals to both of those urges that can't be solved in 24 hours that will just keep his will to live alive? And he's like, I've got it. By by gum, (laughs) I've got it. Great Scott, I've got it. A a problem so shocking he won't rest until he has the answer. And my favorite part is the very last panel. It has them talking to Alfred. And Alfred just got a wife beater on because he just got out of the Batman costume. (laughs) And that's just like a really nice touch. Uh, Um, This book rules. (laughs) There's like... If you read the read the final reveal that you know it was Alfred all around, and then if you go back and then see Alfred just sitting standing there like 
<laughs> like with the with the Batman with the Wayne, Bruce Wayne mask on the whole time, and then also it kind of reminded me of a discussion that we all had about you know my how I dealt with my depression and my you know constant suicidal thought. It's like yeah, give her a reason and she will live. <laughs> like, yeah, we all gotta pretend to be free, huh? And yeah, put free you on the street. Yeah, that's that's what that's what it was. I was like, oh, he had a reason. That's why he couldn't just give into it, and he had to keep on going. It and was, it's just it's it's the craziest idea and then it ends with like the, this air is just like and all in a day's work in this batman comic and it's like you just gave this man a breakdown <laughs> like every single one of this kind of ended in my head was like and that's all folks yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, the circle like the black circle zooms in on you yeah. and it cuts to black <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> freya what was the weirdest one for you I mean, yeah, I think you know which one it's going to be. It's like there's like a, a skin color tone in the utility belt in the <laughs> chief Indian Batman. Oh, <laughs> like, God, that that's was, a lot. That was that was something. You that's know, Batman like, eighty six. Yeah, the that Batman eighty six, and then it was I, I don't know which year it came out. Like you know, I think it's somewhere fifty four. Fifty four. Okay, fifty four. Hey. Um, so it's still that time when apparently everybody didn't know what, what, what on earth they were talking what, about. What red but, face was. Yeah, what red <laughs> face was. But the thing is, like, it's like a utility belt has it. And then, um, so it's a very standard um, story where it's like, this guy will, he's like, oh, I, he, they shocked me because uh, this, he's like a Native American uh, Batman and then mm-hmm. the, like a tribal chief. And then they came and shot him and like, oh, if I see you in a Batman costume, then we know that it's you. So obviously Bruce Wayne has to go in red face to do <laughs> and having that, having the chief garb to be Native American Batman. But the whole time they talk about that, oh, it's Indian. And then how apparently Indian horses, and like every time they said that, it was like, arr, arr. <laughs> like no, bet- bet- Between arr. this, and I'm just going to, it's kind of a spoiler, but you know, those two characters show up in Graham Morrison's run and how they're, how what their situation is and how Batman looks at them in that run. Like, I think he should go to jail. <laughs> like, oh. This is too much against Not just horny jail, where people. you already knew that he belongs, but no, actual. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Prison. <laughs> For crimes no, against think, people. No, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. Like the whole thing was just, and you know, and he's wearing his regular Batman clothes, which uh, you like to think that the native, Native American Batman is also wearing those clothes, but that's not apparently the thing. And it just like, uh, the thing is, we also kind of accidentally read some extra issues, and one of the other issues where he goes to England. Uh, because oh, yeah. the English Batman where the Night stories inspired. also end the exact same way <laughs> and then you're like why are you doing the same thing twice you ran out of ideas but in My- that one he also put on the other people's face and then goes to the shows up to the party and I'm like what is happening? What is this weird fetish that we're dealing well, with? Modern readers oh. often forget that this, like, disguise, the power of disguise is absolutely a Batman thing, which Morrison absolutely it's... brings back, from what I recall. Yes, he uh, does. But a lot of people forget that this was, like, a key Batman plot point in the Golden Age. The whole face swapping and pursing, that doesn't make it okay to do red face or black face or any other face that he probably does during the run. But it was very <laughs> much a, a Batman trope that he was this master impersonator. The, 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 the problem yeah. is now I'm thinking that his utility belt has different skin foundation. Like, I'm now thinking well, that he has it, and I cannot stop thinking about my Marvel ways where not all of these are in continuity. Like, <laughs> you know, like, 
as far as I'm concerned, he has those in his <laughs> utility belt. My favorite like thing with those international hero issues, which is like whenever he goes deal with the uh, the, the international Batman, is whenever he meets up with them, they're always like, "Oh, we're doing our best, but we're we we're not as good as you, Batman, and we never will be." Yeah. Like sometimes the issues end just being like, "Yeah, we're not as good." He's like, "Yep," and then it just cuts to credits. Like they're just very insecure as a team, which actually again comes up later in Grant Morrison's run. <laughs> I think yeah, I think like the insecurity. To me, those were the ones that the the weirdest. I, I'm like still yeah. trying to choose between three, which is just like how emotionally stunted everyone is around Batman and like the people that imitate Batman <laughs> and like everybody. It's like all about their vulnerability, at least in this particular collection of stories. I mean, the one where Robin breaks his leg and he's afraid that Batman's going to replace him, and he's like, so oh, it's so which crazy. Also has the best line ever, where he says, "I've got great news for you, Robin," and Robin thinks Batman's doing his best to sound gay, but I can tell his heart is. <laughs> Which I know, I know, gay men in that context in the, in that time, but it just that probably was ever. And then a wife holding a child, like it just yeah. like oh. oh, Frederick Wortham was no. there. He was on it. My, <laughs> no, my, my favorite was Robin. Robin just going. I I saw how Gordon looked at me. He's disappointed. And I have like stress dreams about Gordon, like tossing and turning about just Gordon's eyes staring into his soul. <laughs> well, I told you it's because, you know, he later bumped uglies with his daughter. So that's it's true. Like, you don't disappoint a, dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it came but, from that. <laughs> he's 10 in this or whatever. He's in, what? Oh, you gross. In that case. <laughs> I take that back. But I, you know, so in trying to decide between them, I had a lot of trouble deciding what was the weirdest. But I think ultimately the one that just, I was like, what is even happening was World's Finest 89, the Club of Heroes from 1957. Because it has Batman, it has the international Batman, it has Superman, it has Superman having temporary amnesia, and Batman (laughs) having, I mean, it's got so so many layers and it just feels like it's trying to do the most like it has some of these comics had done like a little bit but this one is just like so far beyond but it also really shows that that whole like batman superman camaraderie and batman understanding superman's secrets and everything is there but i don't even know if i fully could explain it. there is a cloud of kryptonite and it was temporarily giving him amnesia i don't even know if i can fully explain because it. Because while, just, while he had amnesia he became a different hero right, right playing off that same thing from the from the batman thing where like he his main drive is he has to do good so even while having amnesia he's like i'm still gonna be superman uh i just it's just such a weird story and then the whole i thought the whole point of the story was going to be the whole international batman who at that point it no. occurred a couple of times in the case book and no. they're just useless <laughs> they're just and, they're, like, and they're all just like well superman should get the top spot it yeah, can't yeah. be any of us we're not we're even not gonna good. compete for it really <laughs> the the one thing one thing i wanted to say that that was actually my third favorite uh story because the thing is super uh, batman figures out why Superman is having his uh, amnesia at the same day every day because it's like Mm. going the kryptonite is going around the world and it's showing Mm. up in front of Metropolis at the same time every time I really like that, but everything else, as Peter said, was bonkers. And it's like, <laughs> what is going well, on? Well, that the There's... actual thing is about the deed to the clubhouse where all these guys get together to hang out as superheroes, even though most of them aren't even from the United States and won't be there most of the time. And like, Bruce Wayne is a millionaire. Like, why does it, they're all, the whole 
overarching plot is like we can't let this hero we've never met before be a hero and get the deed to this building that would be the worst (laughs) and they're just like oh he's making superman look like just like a punk bitch like they just keep talking about (laughs) superman looks like trash because he's not rescuing a plane or he's not around i know they're like superman's just such a loser of it just the layers of it really there's so much happening i also love that the the street people are like superman is surely going to come and save us i'm like oh wow okay it's like you know nowadays it's like whatever people twitter like you know, well but that yeah. book all that story also i'm pretty sure the uh, the person who owns the house is john mayhew who uh, also shows up in the oh first arc gosh. first act of the book it's all here that's what's blowing my mind it's like i just think it's crazy that you never here. read it before and that you'd read it i know for this and it's like, i know like think- this is all here but yeah. isn't it actually a better thing to read the read the Morrison run and then come and look at it? Because I well, feel like I was a little lost about like what's the point of all of this. The thing, yes, because this is all going to be in the book, and it's all either going to be their wholesale or retwisted to fit a lot of like crazy psyche stuff. Morrison's weirdness, Morrison's doing, but it's all there. This is all going to mm. come up throughout the books we're right. going to read. Right. No, I mean, yeah. that's what I was saying. Well, and plus, think, like, the you know, Black Casebook like, came out really early in the run. It's not like it came out late in the run and it was like, surprise, like it came out in 2009. Yeah. This was available to readers contemporaneous with reading Morrison's run. Okay. I see it. And I, I agree for you. You're right. It's like, I now can kind of like appreciate it more. It definitely, I feel like uh, the, the first and third acts are the ones that like take from this the most. The second act is more like in, uh, Final Crisis kind of inspired and what have you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm excited. So I'm we've now talked about six of the of the issues, and there were a total of 12. So I'm just going to throw the other ones out for like, truly, don't, let's not make it deep. Lightning round reactions mm-hmm. to the ones we didn't get a chance to talk about. So Batman mm-hmm. 65, which we alluded to, a partner for Batman. Batman briefly replaces Robin with a trainee from abroad when Robin's leg is broken. Any other comments <laughs> on that one? There was one panel where, like, I, I can't, like, I don't know if I can frame it right, but it was, like, where Robin's just, like, oh, no, Batman will never think about me. And it's framed, like, the girl, like, in the 50s comics whose, like, <laughs> boyfriend doesn't notice her. Like, she, Todd will never accept me because I have, a like, a bad face or whatever. Like, yeah, that I've kind got of, a like, pimple, uh, Todd. Yeah, it's like, like, almost like a, like a Lichtenstein painting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 It was funny. All right. No, so I mean, that- I think. Oh, I think ahead, after the, no, I'm just saying after that gay panel, I just, I, I, I could not because I was laughing so hard and my tearing out. I just like, mm-hmm. no. Uh, Batman 86 we did discuss, which was Batman Indian Chief. Oh boy, from September 1954. <laughs> uh, Detective Comics 215, the Batman of all nations from 1955, which we've alluded to, but haven't discussed in full. I have to just say, as the resident 100% Italian on the panel, I have to really laugh at the mobster just impersonating the Italian Batman, like a nobody. <laughs> They're like, oh, it was the mobster, but also because this is the around when my my parents were kids. And um, mm-hmm. they tell stories about how Italians were super, super discriminated against and you like couldn't even get a job or whatever. And so I had to almost like look at it with that lens of like, this seems really funny to us today, but like Italians were hated at that time. <laughs> and to conflate with the Italian Batman with being the one that was the mobster and everything, it just, there's little layers, which I'm not prepared in the modern day to dissect. <laughs> Any other comments on Detective Comics 2015? These all just came to a blur. The, the the international heroes. I was just like, I all you people need to go to therapy for your self esteem <laughs> problems. Like every single one of you need to figure this out. 
Oh, man. Uh, Detective Comics 235 we talked about, which is the first Batman from September 1956. World's Finest 89, we spoke about the Club of Heroes from July 1957. Detective Comics 247, the man who ended Batman's career by giving him a phobia of bats. Any comments on this (laughs) one? The literal literal note I wrote was so many of these books are just messing with Batman psyche, which I've already discussed. (laughs) Like, it's just like, we want to make you feel weird in whatever way we can. (laughs) And, and then he was like, you know, he was like, ah, get away from me. Because every time there's like a bat, he's like a bat around. I can't throw the bat away. I I, I love he was Starman and they were just, and Brown was like, yo, this costume sucks. Like, I do not like that we have done this change. (laughs) Yeah, everything is like star, like, and this is how fast like even the police commissioner changed the sign symbol and everything and it became like a star well, man and everything i i really like kind of but i at the same time i kind of also felt bad for him like i didn't want to pick it as my weirdest because like it's kind of upsetting <laughs> but also in modern continuity isn't the thing kind of that like he was a little bit afraid of bats and like part of why he is batman that's where the batman yeah. begins right and so like I, I was i was telling my partner about these as i was reading them and that when i got to this one she was like what the hell like that's the whole <laughs> point of batman why don't you make him afraid of guns or like cars or shoes or something that would disable him from like doing anything but no make him afraid I'm, of bats that's not gonna stop batman from doing anything <laughs> There's an amazing joke in the Final Crisis tie-in of Batman that deals with this exclusively. It's just like, why are you scared of bats? What happens if you're scared of, like, snakes? It's just really solid. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to just keep saying, in Morrison's book, but yeah. Well, 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 I mean, this is why we read this first. So Batman 112, Am I Really Batman from December 1957 is his depressive episode. We talked about that. Batman 113, <laughs> Batman the Superman of Planet X from February 1958, Harry discussed. Detective Comics 267, I'm surprised this one escaped without a discussion. Mm-hmm. It is Batman Batman meets Batmite from May of 1959. Oh, oh that's, that's the second time he wanted to spank someone. He was going to spank that little Batmite and well, spank yeah. him hard. I thought that book was fine, but it does introduce Batmite, who again has like a hellish, interesting kind of pop up in Grant Morrison's R.I.P. Uh, arc, yeah. which kicks ass. Uh, Bat- Batmite's fun. <laughs> it made me, I did read that part of Morrison previously. Yeah. And as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, so I did get to have that reaction one time. Yeah. yeah. Same. Uh, like I also read like R.I.P. before. So I kind of know about Batmite. I'm like, oh, this is where he started. But also that like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that he it doesn't really have an ending it kind of is just like Batmite does enough stuff and they keep yelling at him and finally he's like I'm gonna leave and they're like great <laughs> go Please away go. we're done with you yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we have Batman 134 which I discussed the rainbow creature from September 1960 mm. we have Batman 156 Robin dies at dawn from June oh, 1963 man. which is a very famous issue we asked our friends to tell us some of their favorite Batman issues to get ready for this and almost all of them picked this this one is like this is like a I'm I'm sorry not to just go full nerd again but like like when it in Morrison's book like there's a huge this this ties in in a huge way and I'm reading I'm starting to turn the pages and I'm like oh oh this is it like this is the thing that is a big deal like in and again the first act this is where Doctor you know we're gonna get to later this is where Doctor Hurt gets introduced there's some phrasing in this that plays out in the uh, Batman R.I.P. near the end there's just there's a lot of stuff I recognize like this was this was a big one for the mm. uh, the run. And it's Brianna, just a good, any thoughts on good this issue. One? No. I was like, oh, it's probably going to be used somewhere. <laughs> oh, just like, that's what I'm dep- saying. I should've, we should have read this probably afterwards. I don't know. But. I don't, well, it's just cool because it's like you see. Well, I'm going like, to come back. 
Okay, come back. Yeah. Let me, remind me, and then I'll come back and read it. Like, well, and also, these, I feel like we, we're not Morrison experts, except for maybe Harry. Harry, well, you, I mean, for you, you've read a lot of Morrison. I'm not a Morrison expert. And so I feel like to, like, bring any interesting discussion to discussing Morrison's Batman, like, you, you have to know the influences a little bit. It's, you know, mm. like, if we don't, we're going to be missing gonna, no, such obvious things that are interesting. Yeah, to that's kind of my gonna, thinking. And they're going to steal parts of us if we don't know this. Now that we we'll know this, they, they can't <laughs> steal parts of it's us It's going to be anymore. funny because with, with each passing issue, we're going to have, like, like bigger bags under our eyes and we're paying no, I'm not gone. Sca- I'm just scared, <laughs> like, you know, the way Peter explained it, I'm like, I don't know about this anymore. There are comic book writers who are taking my parts of me. I don't like this. Well, there was one <laughs> final casebook one, and none of us mentioned it, which is the Batman creature from March 1964, where Batman is turned into a human slash beast Godzilla creature by a criminal's animal evolving ray. But luckily, he is able to be uh, tempered by his love of the original Batwoman. So actually more mm-hmm. of a King Kong. Any I thoughts that's on just that a bat. That's like a Batman Incorporated thing, but I don't really have a lot of thoughts on yes. it. It's just because she pops up, you know. Did you know, Freya, that there was a previous Batwoman? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I did, like, you know, from that time. And this is, like, you know, one of the first times there was actually a woman in these issues. Like, in none of the <laughs> other issues, there is a woman either in the background in, or definitely not in the foreground. So Yeah, I mean, they're not even on. But every so often, if he's at a fundraiser or something, there'll be maybe one lady <laughs> in the crowd. But we're not even talking women, like, being badly portrayed or not having lines. We're just talking about there are no ladies in these comic books. Yeah, this is the same way the older Wonder Woman did not have a lot of dudes in them. (laughs) It's just like, it's like separate. We're going to keep these separate. I was like, oh, not necessarily, but okay. Uh, I I will make one final comment is I I wanted to see what the other features were in these issues because some of them, um, this was only like 12 issues of a lead Batman feature and then there were other stories. So I tried to find a couple of them and um, what's really interesting is just the context of some of the other stories that were in them. Some of the backups in Batman have early Martian Manhunter stories and the theme of every story is he has to solve a crime because he's a detective, he's as his detective persona, persona. Um, but there's fire. Every time. One of them, there's like a fire eater because he's at the circus. And one time the criminal's at a fireworks factory. And one time, it's just like, one time there's an arsonist that's only setting fire to people whose last names are Jones. And it's just like so, so, so funny. But then the detective backups, actually they had a couple of recurring stories. And one of them is this guy who's a um, TV host that exposes hoax. He's like, he's like a believe it or not host but he also is kind of a detective because of that and he does have a lady sidekick who is so much smarter than him in some of the stories <laughs> and i just thought it was funny because she's kind of like serving the robin role but it, to read that after these batman stories where there's no women at all and then read the story where there's like a named woman and she's the secondary character i'm like huh so it's not that it couldn't exist they just but you know bob kane was uninterested in doing it in batman in a lot in these particular stories again we read 12 stories from 20 years of batman more than 20 years so we could have missed every story that ever had a woman Maybe Grant Morrison had reasons that he didn't, or they didn't pick any stories with women in them. Mm. So, hello, hello, hello. Oh, okay, oh. thought I was. Thought you we're, with you. we're with you. Okay. We're with you. Okay, we're here. So we're not quite ready. I know you're like, okay, you've got me pumped. It's time for Morrison. Well, not quite. 
We're reading two <laughs> things before we dive into Morrison, and they are also two things that are going to give us context. And they're things you can easily acquire both in digitally or physically or in piecemeal from something like Comixology. So the first one is the Tales of the Demon trade paperback. This has a number of issues in it that introduce um, Talia al Ghul and has some Raz al Ghul material. There's 11 issues in it. We aren't necessarily going to go into full detail on every one of the issues, but there's four or five of them we're going to talk about pretty specifically. Um, um, specifically the ones that involve Talia and the ones that involve the Lazarus Pit. So that will be for our next discussion. Then also we're going to read the Birth of the Demon trade paperback. It has three original graphic novels, Son of the Demon, Bride of the Demon, and Birth of the Demon from 87, 90, and 92 respectively. And they set up a huge amount of the introductory material in this Morrison run. So if you don't care for any more background and don't want to hear us talk about it, that's fine. We'll see you in a couple of episodes as we dig into the beginning of uh, Batman and Son. But if if you do want to dig into some of the other things that have influenced Marson, plus get a little bit of a pre-read of Batman, we are going to read through all of those stories. Harry, what say you about all that? Honestly, I was, you know, I, I thought we should do this for research, the Golden Age comics, but this was like so much fun to read and so much fun to talk about. So I have a really good feeling about next week's books. Uh, you know, Damien and Talia are a huge, huge, huge part of uh, the Morrison run and also DC Comics as a whole. And like, this is where we're going to see that get started. And uh, I hope we get the same thing from this that we got today. Uh, mm. So I am just, I'm feeling good about this. Freya, what about you? Oh, no, I'm excited. And the thing is like, it, um, especially with knowing where Talia and uh, Damien comes from, you know, it will be kind of interesting to kind of do those pre-read before we can jump into Morrison's run proper. Um, and I also want to mention that if you have Hoopla, which is something that you can get from your library, uh, uh, the digital uh, collection of both of those books are available there. So oh, you just have to, yeah, so totally easy just, to do and free. Yeah, And I absolutely. recommend DC Universe, the, the app is great for reading this book along with us because it's just it's all there and it's super convenient and easy to use if uh, you don't have the omnibuses or the trades although there are lovely omnibuses you can actually see them uh wherever i'm there we are right there yep. they're great so you got options and they're all good yeah and unfortunately this casebook stuff is hard to track down a lot of it is not available as digital singles on comiXology casebook itself is very out of print it took some doing to get it available to us to read it so unfortunately this was not a good episode to follow along with but all of these <laughs> further episodes it's going to be really easy to follow along whether you do it on Hoopla which also I imagine Freya probably has a lot of the individual trades of Mars oh, and yes. stuff in it as well yes. um, DC Universe which is only I think it's less than $10 a month I, I'm yeah. international so I can't have that uh, or uh, just buying things individually on Comixology. So there are many, many opportunities for you to catch up. And for me, I'm really interested because I felt like a lot of these Golden Age stories um, fed into that that um, Adam West Batman that I know because, you mm -hmm. know, they're fighting on a giant cash register or they're fighting on, you know, giant diamond ring. It's like all very cartoonish. But then for me, the gap in Batman is 70s. Like, I don't know what 70s Batman is at all. Same. My next awareness of Batman is post-crisis Batman. And this mm -hmm. Tales of the Demon book um, starts in 1971 and ends in 1980. So this is going to be my first exposure ever to 1970s Batman. And I'm really excited for that. He has, I'm a lot, he has a big hairy chest. He keeps his clout, uh, cowl on, but he doesn't have any shirt on. That's <laughs> We're going to get some hot bat. We're going to get some hot Batman. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, well, folks, that is our introduction to our Crushing Comics reading club for 
Batman by Grant Morrison. Thank you so much for sticking around. I know you know us as X-Men readers, but Crushing Comics was always meant to be more, and this is our first time dipping our toe in the more. So if you've been listening to us with X-Men, we're really appreciative that you're uh, willing to hang in with us for Morrison. And if you're new, welcome. We love comics, and we love crushing on them, and we love when they absolutely crush us, which some of these comics absolutely did this episode. So, you know, at the end of our our epic X-Men episodes, Freya has this thing that she says, which is what? for you. X-Men is better when it's read together. No, I don't know if we're just going to co-op that straight for Batman. No. It feels like we need yeah, a no, different no. tagline for Batman. Yeah. Any thoughts yet on our Batman tagline? Oh, well, I have one. I have given it some thought, but nothing has come up yet. But I feel like as we are doing this, maybe something will come up. But for the time <laughs> being, I'm going to leave you, leave you with na 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 Batman! <laughs> well, and leave I... suggestions in the comments if you want. Yes. <laughs> Yes, because we don't want to get any yeah. copyright flags on us from singing the Batman theme song over and over again. <laughs> That's so, uh, oh, it's so, so badly the, done. They're like, no, no, no. They'll never know. <laughs> it's just like an international Batman. It's such a it, it's it evades copyright because it's such a bad copy. Uh, so, on the behalf of myself, Harry, who has inspired us on this read, Freya, my frequent partner in crime. This has been Crushing Comics in our first episode of our Crushing Comics book club for Grant Morrison's Batman. And until we get to talk to you again, we hope that you are well. Bye. Bye. <laughs>